Welcome to The Five Things, This Week in Social. We're the Webby Award-winning podcast that looks at the five stickiest stories in social connections, data, content, and tech to give you some tidbit to add to the talk track for your next client deck. If you're a marketer, an advertiser, or a creator, then you are listening to the right podcast. Today on the pod, we have a new contributor to The Five Things and an even newer one. First up is Shailene Radinsky. Hello, Shailene. Hi, Joey. How's it going? Going well. So this is probably your third time on the show. Is that right? Correct. Yes, third time. Great. Okay, so very important question that has nothing to do with anything, but do you prefer a sunrise or a sunset? Ooh, I guess it depends on the time of year. Love a good summer sunset, but in the winter, it's kind of nice to be up a little bit early since it starts to get dark so early. So going to have to say final answer is probably a sunset. All right. I like that. I like that. And our newest member of the Five Things team, we have Gray Senior Strategist, Abby Ness. Hello, Abby. Hi, Joey. I'm so excited to be here. We're very excited to have you. Same question, sunrise or sunset? Mm, I think I love immediately after a sunset. So watching it fall and then that blue light, that's my favorite time of the day. Wonderful. Well, I'm Joey Scarillo, and I'm going to make it a clean sweep and say sunset as well. But I still wish that I was more of a morning person. All right, let's get into the five things. First up, Shailene tells us how X, a.k.a. Twitter, is evolving the feed and what's next for X. Then Abby talks TikTok, who launched an in-app music competition. Then Shailene follows up on a past thing with how threats of deactivation forced Reddit users to end the Oliver stalemate. Next, Abby gets into Pinterest and Amazon working together towards monetization via third-party ad partnerships. And finally, Shailene tells us how brands are using their creators to take over summer's biggest concerts like Beyonce, Taylor Swift, and Drake. All right, let's get into it, Shailene. You are up first with the evolving feed going on over at X. What is the latest? Yeah, so as we've seen under Elon Musk's leadership, there's been a lot of changes over the last year, specifically the last few months. And most recently, they've dropped a lot of new algorithm updates that could switch up the way that creators and brands are changing their posting strategy for the platform. So the first big change is they're looking to amplify users' replies to posts. And this is due mainly to how they're tracking some of their ad revenue strategy internally. But by using a lot more replies and users replying to more things, brands replying to more things, they'll want to incorporate that a lot more into your feed. So make sure that you incorporate that into your strategy. The next one is video. Pretty much every social platform is pushing out more video content and X is no different. And it'll replace the you might like tab with popular videos and really great way to allow creators to gain even more revenue by monetizing ads in those videos. Next up is subscription content. This one is really key in allowing creators to monetize their posts. If you're a creator with your subscriptions turned on, your posts and updates are going to be featured a lot more on someone else's feed. And a big portion of the subscription fees also go directly to the creator. X takes about 10% of the fees once a creator reaches $100,000 in revenue from their subscriptions. Our last update is no more using links. Posts that have links within them will likely be pushed out of the feed. Elon Musk directly commented on this, saying that if your algorithm recommends posts to you based on how much time other people spend on them, that using a link in a post 
someone goes to it, the amount of time that they spend on the actual post is really minimal and it's not driving the kind of traffic that brands and creators might want to see. And then this one is not an update, but it's more of a fun piece of petty information. And that's if you use the word threads on the X platform, you will likely get booted down to the bottom of the feed. And I think that's just an Elon versus Mark Zuckerberg fight, but something to know. Well, they have threatened a cage match. And if they actually do ever set a date and go through with it, I'm sure we will be able to do some coverage on that. But staying in the world of reality, Abby, I'm curious, out of all these changes between the replies, the video, the subscription, the links, or even the mention of threads, which do you think is the biggest deal for brands? And which one do you think they should activate against the most? I think that the idea of replies being emphasized is really interesting. If you've been a longtime user of the platform, it's very common to see a influx of bots, an influx of brands entering that conversation. And, and a lot of the time it's not paid. So it'll be interesting to see how that kind of evolves into a paid structure. I'm a little bit weary. I'm nervous that we're going to see a high volume of conversations that's really not relevant to what the user is looking for within their feed. However, I do think that it's an interesting opportunity and, and I'm excited to, to see how it plays out. Also, I really think that this video push is interesting as well. I think that there's kind of a watch out here, if you will, especially since we've seen other platforms that aren't necessarily video dominated like Facebook try and implement this structure. And it really feels like X kind of needs to tread lightly. If you remember like Real Bros of Simi Valley or Red Table Talk, those were great series. However, it didn't seem like it was a long-term successful strategy for Facebook. And we're actually seeing now that that feature is no longer even available. So it'll be interesting to see kind of how they utilize that as well. I'm personally a little interested to see what happens with these no links. Instagram posts famously don't allow for links unless you're doing a story or some other way. But for creators, or even podcasters like like this one, we will often tweet out or post X post out a link to the show so people can check it out. Shailene, does this mean that posts like that are now going to get less visibility on Twitter X? Yeah, so that's what it's sounding like based on the way that their algorithm system works. So the longer that you spend looking at a tweet or a video within a tweet that's attached to it, the more they're going to push that out onto somebody else's feed just based on the time spent on it. And if there's a link in there, chances are you're going to click on the link really quickly for it to take you to that site. So I think that with this, we should just really start utilizing link in bio, sharing maybe some fun clips or fun audio bits from certain podcasts or if brands want to post a picture of the product they're trying to put out. I think that that's a, a really great workaround while still driving traffic and including what you want to include. Well, we'll definitely keep an eye on it. One more question, Abby. Do you think these changes benefit the users or do you think they benefit the platform? I think for the most part, it seems like this is probably more beneficial from a platform standpoint than a user standpoint. Obviously, there's some caveats like making it more difficult for users to access the content that they're looking for. However, it seems that these certain feature updates are really more beneficial to a creator and to the platform itself versus the user. For sure. Well, you know, we will certainly keep an eye on all these changes and keep our listeners up to date as things evolve over at X. But now let's switch over to TikTok who launched an in-app music competition. Abby, tell us about it. 
Yeah, it's very exciting. So essentially, if you all recall, TikTok was once Musical.ly. So they're kind of returning to their roots a little bit. For fans of The Voice, X Factor, America's Got Talent, TikTok is launching a new in-app music contest where users can submit an audition tape and compete for a cash prize of 50000 diamond rewards that's still yet to be seen how much that actually is worth in a us dollar but with this contest it seems like tiktok is really hoping to kind of compete with the likes of youtube and spotify sort of melding their already existing video content with this happenstance phenomenon where they actually have quite a bit of influence over the music industry. You know, we've seen artists like Ty Verdes and Doja Cat gain a lot of recognition, especially in the days of the pandemic. So it's not surprising to see them make sort of this conscious effort to mimic that phenomenon in a more structured setting. We're going to talk about this later, but we've started to see brands sort of make a concerted effort to be a part of the music conversation. And it's a really phenomenal opportunity for brands to jump on a bandwagon by kind of inserting their content into a more traditional yet non-traditional ad format. This sort of web series style is something we've you know seen before on YouTube and even Facebook, but it'll be interesting to see it come from a short form platform like TikTok. It's yet to be seen how TikTok plans to incorporate ad partnerships, but we're assuming that it might almost take a commercial approach with sports like sponsorships and in-programming ad features. This really comes at a time when recently TikTok has been trying to sort of move into that branded live programming. If you guys remember the sort of hot mess <laughs> Amazon TikTok Alex Earl debacle that really stirred some negative public opinion and it was honestly kind of confusing. And so I think that they're really trying to to kind of right those wrongs a little bit and have programming that makes a lot of sense within the space. And hopefully they've learned from that mistake and they'll take a smarter approach with this series. Shailene, does this feel like HQ trivia to you? It does a little bit, but I kind of dig it because I think that HQ trivia was something really fun that everybody around the world was connected on together and it created a, a fun sense of community. So I think that this is just another way to make people feel connected through something that's, you know, universally shared. Yeah. So you're optimistic about this one? I am. I also love singing competitions, so I might be a little bit biased. What's, what's your favorite one on TV right now? The Voice. Oh, of course, The Voice. Abby, what do you think? I do think it's kind of emulating a similar vibe. They're going to have both a U.S. and a global competition. And then at the end, it all comes together for that kind of final grand finale. And so I do think that there is an element of international connection, if you will. Almost like Eurovision meets The Voice meets HQ Trivia. It just sounds like it's going to be a good time. And you know what? I feel like we're at a moment where we all kind of need a moment to rally around, if that makes sense. Like we all sort of need that event again. I feel like we haven't had something like that in a minute. So this this could be good. I'm optimistic about this one. Okay, let's move on to Reddit. We talked about this on a previous episode. And so I want to get a little bit of a follow up here, Shailene. So there have been some threats from Reddit. And now it looks like users are going to end the Oliver stalemate. Can you explain to us what is the Oliver stalemate? And what are sort of the next steps since the last we heard between users on the platform and the platform itself? Yeah, so a few weeks ago, Reddit introduced some new API pricing and users were really upset by this and they started protesting by posting only pictures and videos of John Oliver to try and make Reddit try and change their new charges. Ultimately, this has failed. The employees over at Reddit hit back at users that were going dark, aka going from public to private. 
And they ended up seizing a lot of really major subreddits saying that they were abandoned. And this was viewed as a long waiting game by the CEO of Reddit and a lot of the employees and ultimately made a lot of these Reddit users really nervous that they were going to permanently lose their communities and new communities would just pop up. So they inevitably went public again and Reddit kind of wins this round. Abby, what's the key takeaway here? What do you think users can take from this for sort of a long term view at the platform? Well, to me, this almost says we're not that interested in (laughs) a user voice. I mean, maybe not to that extreme, but it's kind of that age old conversation of like making money and having a successful platform versus really emphasizing that user engagement and that being the primary uh, goal of your platform. I think if you're going to alienate users that much to force them to actually use the platform differently, that really speaks to me and says, you know, how much do you favor your brand loyalty? And even though it is, you know, it's a platform, but still it's like Reddit carries this legacy of, of a brand and especially on a brand where It's very user-centric and they've just essentially gone and alienated however many users. That just feels that feels like what were their priorities. Clearly not so much with the public opinion. Charlene, did anything in this story surprise you, especially from Reddit? I think the fact that they were just acting it out as a waiting game was really interesting to me versus putting a real plan of action to get users back. Well, it's interesting. You know, this one is something that, you know, if this story evolves again, we'll definitely bring it back for a part three. But to me, I think anything where we use John Oliver as a meme is just, it's a good time. Why not? All right, let's move right along to Pinterest and Amazon, who are going to work towards monetization via a third-party ad partnership. All right, Abby, make sense of all this one for me. Yes, so Pinterest shares fell over 17% in the last week. However, there is this, you know, hope on the horizon sort of feeling. Pinterest has officially signed a deal with Amazon to feature third-party ads in-app. Users will be able to click on a pin and be directly routed to the Amazon marketplace, creating a more shoppable experience for users. The app is really struggling to figure out their monetization structure. This comes as a relief for all Pinterested parties, if you will. Excuse the pun. (laughs) But in addition to this partnership, Pinterest has also been looking at, you know, a, a ton of innovation, trying to figure out the way, the best way to keep users on the app. Um, and they've begun kind of utilizing this AI structure to really improve user experience and, and boost that engagement. They've called it shop to look. It's really focused within the home and, and fashion categories. But this partnership and AI utilization could potentially allow for increased engagement and easier purchasing within the app. I think we all know how much easier it is to click buy now on Amazon versus having to go in and fill out all of your information every time you purchase something. So it's really, you know, it's a good move for Pinterest and it's a good move for Amazon, especially since in early 2023, if you all recall, they launched a similar structure called Amazon Inspire, which was almost supposed to mimic TikTok and Pinterest-like sort of content stream, except it was all ads-based. And I don't think that it's really produced that high volume result that they were anticipating when it launched. So, so this partnership is a potential sign that the two platforms should really stick to what they're good at. And a partnership might be more fruitful than trying to do it on their own. It'll be interesting to see if this increase calls more brands to buy space within the app. It makes sense for brands to be on Pinterest, especially those in CPG, home decor, and fashion. I mean, why not meet users where they're actively seeking purchase inspiration? 
hopefully this partnership experiment sets that precedent for a more kind of seamless integration of content between Pinterest and brand and really fulfills the platform's overall goal of making every pin shoppable. Shailene, Abby kind of touched on it just there, but does this really seem like the perfect match? I mean, this kind of gives Pinterest everything they need. And as if Amazon needed more, they get more with this one. Is this the perfect match? I, I tend to think so. I think especially because, you know, you go on Pinterest, you look for inspiration. And I feel like the first place that you might go after Pinterest to find some of those things is to Amazon. I know as a consumer, that's what I do. I feel like that's what I know a lot of other people do. So it kind of seems like a pretty seamless all in one place to be able to do all of that. We love to see a good partnership and one that is both fruitful for both parties. I think this is a great example of that. And as we've been tracking Pinterest throughout the year, this seems like the most obvious and perfect next step. All right. Now we're going to get into our fifth and final thing. This one is more of an observation that the team on the five things have noticed. And one that I think is really, really cool and a cool way to bring brands together with music. So Shailene, tell us how brands are using their creators to take over summer's biggest concerts. Yes. So I'm sure as you all have observed this past summer, seen kind of the resurgence of mega name artists going on national and worldwide tours like Taylor Swift, Drake, Beyonce, the likes of them. And a lot of brands are kind of taking over the larger suites in these stadiums to invite their creators for a really unique opportunity to experience their products and brands in a really unique way. So some brands like Tarte, 21 Seeds Tequila, Too Faced, Stella Artois, Grande Lash, and and more um, are inviting their creators to these one-night experiences to either try out new products in the suite, get glammed in the suite, or just, you know, have a really great night and continue to be loyal to the brand. And this is something that we've, we've given a lot of thought to kind of what the goal outcome is here for a lot of these brands. You know, is it simply to give back to their loyal influencers to continue building relationships? Is it to product push? Is it to get more consumers to know who they are? You know, it's a really interesting tactic seeing as it might not might not be so obvious to, you know, a normal consumer, the tie between Drake and Maybelline. So it's a it's been an interesting thing to follow. I think a lot more brands will be pushing this as some of these bigger concerts start coming back. But a really cool opportunity for brands to connect with their creators in an organic way. And Abby, what kind of things are brands asking of their creators to do at these concerts? For me, it really seems like it's really just purely an awareness build. It's posting, it's engaging in conversation over social. It's sharing the experience that they had with the brand. And I think it's interesting because it almost is more focused in building those partnerships and like perpetuating that idea of the relationship between the creator and kind of leveraging their sort of star power, if you will, versus really like hard hitting, selling whatever product they're they're featuring. I will say as someone who missed the Beyonce concert and then seeing some of my favorite creators there, I almost felt less likely to engage with whatever it was that they were partnered with. It makes a lot more sense for brands to potentially give that opportunity to 
to a fan versus an influencer or a creator who could potentially afford to go on their own. But I do think that there is, you know, some value, especially when it's executed correctly. I don't know if anybody has officially dubbed this the summer of live music. But it does feel like there have been a ton of huge tours, especially coming out of a couple of years of no concerts through COVID. Shailene, do you think that a FOMO is a big element here? I definitely think so. And I think a lot of this really started with Harry Styles back in 2021. I think that people dressing up to go to all of his concerts, the fact that he, you know, in New York specifically had just 20 shows back to back. There was a lot of opportunity to go see him and with some of these other artists who are coming to cities for, you know, two, three nights, there's a lot less opportunity. And these are such huge names that are going around the globe right now. And these concerts are really anticipated shows. So I I think, you know, seeing some of your favorite creators that might leave a show halfway through or not really know a lot of the songs is definitely a little upsetting to see. And to Abby's point, I think that if brands were to use this as an opportunity for some of their fans, like mega fans of the artist and the brand to be able to experience it. I think that that might take away a bit of the sense of FOMO, but it's definitely there. I know I I felt it for a lot of these concerts this summer. All right, I'm going to ask you each this question, and I'm just curious. Pull out your crystal ball. It can be a quick answer. Do you think this is a trend or do you think this is the future and the way that brands will operate with influencers? I'll let Abby go first. This answer might be a little bit more lofty, but I think that there's something really, there's something really inherent in our culture and our society that we all, you know, value music. And I think put music at the forefront of, of kind of something that we're inherently tied to as a culture. And so I think that this could definitely continue as a trend in the future, especially because we place so much emphasis in music itself and in these experiences. Anything else, Shailene? Yeah. So to the point of you know, FOMO existing. This is the first time really that TikTok has been such a huge player in concerts. You know, I think before COVID, the only time that you would see anybody post about a concert, it was someone that you were following and it was in your town and there wasn't a lot of content to be consumed how there is now. And, you know, now if you go on TikTok or even Twitter, you're seeing content from all around the world and you're seeing this concert five times over. I know I've watched Taylor Swift's concert probably 10 times just via TikTok Live. So I think that really builds a lot of FOMO with with people. Just having constantly consuming that content is definitely making people feel like they're missing out on a lot. Well, the FOMO is real. And if any brands out there want to give us tickets to go to any of these summer concerts, we are here for it. All right, if you don't already, be sure to follow us, share us, review us, like us, or write to us with your questions, comments, concerns, points of interest, or complaints, or just send us a thing you want to discuss. You can do all of that by emailing us at podcasts at gray.com. Of course, I want to thank our panel today, Shailene and Abby. Abby, come back anytime. Let's make it a thing. And as always, thanks to Samantha Geller, Amanda Fuentes, and the crew at Gramercy Park Studios behind the scenes. We recently wrapped season four of Gray Matter, a podcast about ideas. Host Jason Connor and our Gray colleagues had so many wonderful guests on this season, including Broadway actor Jesse Mueller, YouTube creator Foot Doctor Zach, and Chef Akshay Bardwaj. 
I am confident that you will find not just one, but many of these conversations interesting and inspiring. And you can find Gray Matter, a podcast about ideas, wherever you find this podcast. That does it for us. Thank you, listener. And please, as always, be social. The Five Things are written and researched by the Social and Connections team at Gray New York, produced by Joey Scarillo and Samantha Geller. Mixed at Gramercy Park Studios by Amanda Fuentes and Guy Rosemarin, with post-production support from Ned Martin. Additional support by Christina Hyde and Adrian Hopkins. Gray is a global creative agency whose mission is putting famously effective ideas into the world. Check out more at gray.com.